welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. I have a return guest, which is so fun. You've heard me talk a lot about Azer Collective, and so I decided to ask Joe Saxton back to have her tell the story of Azer so you can know what it is that I keep talking about. So you can know the story, you can know what it is. And if you are a woman in leadership who uses her influence, then Azer is probably something that you should attend because it's spectacular. Joe is an author and a speaker and a mom and a wife and a coach and a mentor and all the things. So I'm a target shopper, <laughs> a, target shopper mm-hmm. a Starbucks drinker. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, Joe. Thank Welcome. You. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yay. Anything else you want to say besides okay, Target and Starbucks? We covered those. No, that's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> so as I said, I've been talking, I keep mentioning either I have guests that I met at Azer or I keep referring to my experience at Azer. Yeah. And so I wanted to have you come on and talk about what is this Azer collective that I keep talking about? <laughs> Where would you like me to begin? <laughs> well, what was the inspiration? What was the first yeah. kind of inspiration for it? And the name. The I mean, name. The, okay. That's cool. important. Yeah. So basically, in I'll do the big picture. Big picture is these Azer collective gatherings are leadership intensives for women who lead. So um, whether they are leading in churches, they might be lead- some of them are business women, some are in the arts, some are in corporate world, military, nonprofits. But the common thread is they are women, they are leaders, and they are faith based. Or at, and so they may not be working in a faith context, but mm-hmm. they are their leadership is fueled by their faith. Mm-hmm. And the reason behind the gathering, and then I'll explain the name. The reason behind the gathering was. As um, someone who does a lot, I've spent a lot of time leading and speaking in spaces where I was the only woman. Much mm-hmm. of my professional life, it's only in the past five years I've really done women's events, really. Mm-hmm. So for the first 20, I was often the only woman in that environment um, and the only woman leader around in, in the spaces I was in. And it's a very lonely thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just is very isolating and it, it can make you second guess whether you should be there, second guess your giftings. Make, um, there are different questions you have. There are different questions you have on how to make life work for you, to um, how, what um, leadership progression looks like, what career progression looks like. That It's not that I was in a quite supportive environment, actually. The men around mm-hmm. me did believe in me as a leader. It's just that they couldn't answer certain questions because mm-hmm. when they had kids, it didn't impact their bodies in the way me having children impacted my body. Right. Alongside that, I was uh, when my kids were very young, I was speaking um, at Christian events, at conferences, and I'd often meet women in bathrooms who, for whom I was the first woman they'd seen leading mm. or, or the first woman they'd seen speaking in the presence of men. And so I'd often get a lot of questions of how did you, how, 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 how did that happen? Tell me how, tell me the ways <laughs> was a big part of it. But also it would often be mixed with grief as well for women who had ached to see women there because they, not just for a number of reasons. One, because they felt it was right. Mm-hmm. Um, what, another, because that was something they felt called to do and they'd never seen it. And because they didn't see it, they weren't sure if it was allowed. And so they had pushed their gifting their talent their sense of call to the side thinking it's my selfish ambition Mm. i'm a weirdo and um and then they see this person doing it and being received and they're like 
oh, maybe I'm not a weirdo. Maybe I can, maybe I can, can I, can I, can I, can I, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, um, and often feeling a sense of loss. And if only I'd, I'd had the investment that would produce the fruit whereby I was living into the calling. It's not that they wanted to be speakers for speakers sake. They wanted to be faithful to their calling. Right. Um, and so I'd done a, no- a number of coaching groups and mentoring groups and I'd identified a number of things that when I was coaching women, it was very rarely that very rare that they lacked skills. A lot of women I met were overqualified for the tasks they were doing. <laughs> the issue was confidence. The mm-hmm. issue was connection. The issue was environment. So they needed environments where they had, where they saw people who looked like them. They needed opportunities to thrive and fail. And they needed the confidence to know that they didn't need to second guess being in the room. Mm-hmm. And out of that, um, Asa Collective was born. And it was a question for me of if we could get all these women I've coached or come across into the room, leaders in different spaces, could we do something different culturally for women who lead? Could we, um, could they have networking spaces? Could they learn what networking looks like and not feel they're just schmoozing Mm -hmm. or being weird with the people around them? Um, Could they see the thing they want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, could they encourage one another, build relationships that may not be in the same city, but maybe in the same country, in the same state, that would actually make them feel less alone? And if those three things are taken care of, what will we see from their leadership contribution? Because I'm convinced that there are businesses not being started, churches not being planted, nonprofits not um, being birthed, podcasts, books, all these things, creative pursuits not being done and even conversations in our homes and in our friendship groups not happening because um we've second guessed ourselves Mm -hmm. and so i i wanted to see what would happen if we didn't second guess ourselves and but but on one level you can say you can do anything you want to do and be anything you want to be and i'm not entirely sure that's true um but i also think there are reasons why we're not the way we're not do you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. and I think there are reasons why we're not seeing things and the on-ramps for, for women who lead are different from the ones of their male peers. And again, it's not a shady thing to say. It's just... It is. It's just it is what fact. it is. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be proactive with that. And also the people, the women around me wanted me to be proactive with that. So part of it was force. <laughs> part <laughs> of, pushed it, part it. of it was, you need to do something, please. <laughs> Could you do something? Because it's... The, it, now I speak again at a number of women's conferences but they weren't they were dedicated to the devotional side of a woman's life which is a very important thing mm-hmm. they were dedicated to um, spiritual formation but there was not a place where they could have a lengthy leadership conversation where you could talk under the hood as it were about what was actually going on what it actually felt like to be a woman who led what they wrestled with what skills they needed what advice they needed there wasn't an environment for just to talk about that and that's what I wanted to create. Um, in terms of the name, in terms of the name, I'm not good at names normally. It's just not my thing, <laughs> except my children. They have mm-hmm. fabulous names. Mm-hmm. But um, that was my, the yeah, I'm not good at it. But so I, I spent a lot of time trying to think of fancy, trendy things. And I thought, what is it I'm trying to do? And why am I trying to do it? And the word for Aza is a Hebrew word. And it's the first, we see it appear first in the Bible um, describing women. And it's translated helper. And help, and the word has been something that has, that translation has been something which has been difficult mm-hmm. because in our common 21st century dictionaries, it means assistant. Mm-hmm. It means... Um, lower. Lower. It means the help. Mm-hmm. It means someone who is assisting someone. And, and that, I have no problem with being an assistant or serving someone because leadership is service. Mm-hmm. It's just that it did, if it was to define all a woman could do and be, then 
it, it left some women, not all women, but some women conflicted. It left mm-hmm. some men conflicted mm-hmm. as well. Because um, it really, like the image I'm getting in my head is a standing behind, like the posture yeah. of standing behind instead of alongside. And, be- and because we can't help but bring our cultural context to mm-hmm. our interpretations. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. But when you look at the word in its original language and its original context, without manipulating the word, the word it just means an, a, a, a wider range of things. So the word for Aza is a combination, and let's be clear, I don't know how to pronounce ancient Hebrew, so we could be rough there, <laughs> but it's a combination of words meaning to rescue and to save and to be strong, which is something in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there are over 100 references to this word in the Old Testament, to the root of the word, 21 references of the identical word we see in Genesis 2.18, where, where the woman is described as a helper, where God says it's not good for a man to be alone, I'll make a helper suitable for him. Mm-hmm. So 21 references there of that identical word. Because again, if you're trying to interpret a word and make sense of it, where else does it appear in the Bible and what, and what context is it used? Those are great tools to actually understand the word itself. Mm-hmm. Again, so that you're not adding your own junk or your emotions or your decisions into it. Right. Um, six, no, there are two times when the word Aza appears and it defines a woman. It describes oh. the woman. So um, there are three times when it appears and it's referring to military aid. And then 16 times when the word appears, it's when God is the helper of his people. Um, And we think of all the Psalms where it says, God, you are my help, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, Aza. And it's using powerful military language. It often appears in parallel with words denoting strength and power. It's a word with military connotations. And it was one who had the power to help. In the understanding of the day, the the Aza was someone who had the power to help. When we think of God as helper, he is not the backup plan. He is not the assistant. He is not fragile or frail and in need of having to take a back seat. Mm-hmm. He is a deliverer. He is mighty. He And that's the way we see that word. And again, it's interesting to note that as we look at the arc of the Bible, it appears that's the definition before the fall, mm-hmm. before anything goes wrong with the world. That's the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a verb as well as a noun, meaning to protect, surround, defend, and cherish. Did I get those right? It's from a book called um, Michelle Guinness, written by a woman called Michelle Guinness called Woman, the Full Story, um, that reference there. And, and so for me, I, I think I look at culture and society, and I, you can see Azers all over the place. You know, you mm-hmm. see um, women living into um, their God-given strength, their God-given identity, their God-given purpose. Um, and if we agree with what he says about us rather than what we say about us, we find that we're very different people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or what the world has said about us or, you know, through all its broken lenses. Um, so it seemed a fitting to describe, um, to get back to the heart of how we were designed, even if it was a word that none of us knew how to pronounce. Right. Um, and then, um, and just on a, as an offshoot, the word where it says a helper suitable, the word for suitable is connectu. It's often translated fitting or equal to okay. um, as well. So there's, there's that um, opposite or parallel to. But when I was thinking of the ASA collective itself, I was like, okay. But again, the other thing I'd seen about, about women was the ability to work together or the potential when people work together. And some of this is from the reality of I'm Nigerian heritage. It's a, collect, it's a more collective culture than the West. And so there is more of a we Mm. Um, and that has strengths and weaknesses, just like individualism has strengths and weaknesses. But I wanted to, I, I wanted to not say, okay, we are women who are, we can do what we want. It's not, that's not the goal of this. It is the, it, it, there is a strength that comes when we empower one another, when we invest in one another. I wanted it from the very beginning to be the learning, be in the room. 
um, the learning be from multiple voices in multiple spaces from multiple lives because that's what I've seen women do mm-hmm. you know I've seen it with my um, immigrant family when everybody's working at how to live everybody's working to and not in some romanticized way just in the very practical who's bringing the food mm-hmm. um, who's helping that kid get to there who's doing so and so's hair who's got whose clothes kids have grown out of certain clothes and your kid is now due them which was not my joy because I was the youngest which meant everything went through everybody else before I got to them like I said a collective has its weaknesses but but I think I wanted to acknowledge that that the role the role and the function of us as leaders is that we're helping others and our strength strengthens others our power strengthens others but that even as we gather we come together to strengthen one another as we go strengthen others so yeah that's where the name came from well, and that reminds me of the quote that you often say is it oh yeah the african proverb mm-hmm. i love to overuse yes mm-hmm. um if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together mm-hmm. and i think it's again it's it's what i've known to be true it's what i've seen to be true when i think of my leadership growth and development and i think of the most significant parts of it it's always involved another person um mm-hmm. it's always involved advice or friendship or relationship or connections or connectivity i think um, I don't. I don't. I don't know. If, I can only speak for my career and profession at this point. But sometimes I look at. I hear people ask questions about it, and and I realise they think it happens in a vacuum. Mm. That some somehow I suddenly ended up speaking somewhere. I suddenly, you know, like God by His special magic, mm. let someone know my name, mm-hmm. my location, and my cell phone number. And then, as a result of that, because I was humbly hiding in a corner, um, then I was given an opportunity. It didn't happen like that. <laughs> Angela, this is your intervention. <laughs> this is your intervention. Ah, thankfully, no, because that might be really weird. Mm-hmm. But um, but there have been people who invested and people who encouraged and people who made connections. And uh, and I've often found with women who lead that that's been an, a real vulnerable point in saying, "Hey, I lead and I speak, and I if there are any opportunities out there, I'd love. I write. Does anybody know anybody?" Um, and to be in a place where you can say, look, I can't fix this for you, but here's, let me, let me make an introduction here. Those mm-hmm. things are important. So, yeah. So it was an idea that was stirring for yeah. a long time and people mm. were pushing oh, you. years, years. And people were pushing you into Harassing it. Harassing my life. Yeah. yeah. You know who you are. <laughs> yeah. so I'm not bitter anymore. Mm-hmm. So you did a test run. Yes, I did a test run in 2017 because I like to do my failures spectacularly, but quietly if I can. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and I think, I think, you know, the Bible does say test everything. I think um, I was testing to see if it was right. Otherwise, it's just a passionate idea in my head. And my head doesn't have the room for another thing buzzing around it without an outcome. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just a way to see, you know, was there, I, I, my gut was like, yes. And my sense in prayer was yes. My friends and my harassers, have, I mean, other <laughs> friends were yes. Um and but at the same time there's still an element to um what are you going to do this and I remember when I was traveling with a friend for work and she said okay let's book a date I just before you leave we were in Boston before you leave there will be a date that you're going to put in your calendar and I'm like yeah sure and she goes okay so here's my calendar when are you free (laughs) when are you free and I think some of it was my own reticence and my own fear and my own anxiety not wanting to commit to anything Mm -hmm. um but then we put the date out and she goes and who are you going to let know immediately so that we can't go back from this (laughs) do you know what i mean um so there was that and um it yeah it was it was just a test run to see i think there are maybe about 60 women who were there again leaders people who i'd known and stuff and did enough to make it work and it was it was just wonderful to see 
it before my eyes. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful to see the things that I was intuitively thinking would happen, happen. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful to see what happened afterwards happen in terms of people connecting with one another, people having speaking engagements and opportunities and getting advice and encouragement or counselling or all these things because of that gathering. And I'm like, this is what I knew it. I knew that you just needed to get the women together in a room mm-hmm. and they would take care of business. You yeah. know, it was so I was one of those 60 women that yeah. was at that first one. And it was. I mean, it was a game changer. The 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 things you made us do. Talk about harassment. The things that you made us do. <laughs> we mean payback on this. Yeah. Uh, just standing up and and saying who yeah. you are and what you do. Yeah, was so powerful. It's funny because some of the most some of the most significant parts of it weren't the talks at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, I hear, I'm like thanks everybody. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it was that. It was the stand up and say who you are and where mm-hmm. you're leading. Mm-hmm. Um, it was people bringing the business cards like we, and, right. and writing their bios. And everybody who attends before they come has to, get the, have to, has to make a business card and send their own bio. Because it's like, we don't all need my bio. One, mm-hmm. I don't like my bio. Also, you, don't, you need to know each other. Mm-hmm. And it would help the networking process. The business card was, if you're going to connect with someone, and it's like, oh, I should get your number sometime. You need to be able to do that quickly. And right. so some of these things were skilling us for when we're back in our various workspaces. But it also caused a dragging over hot colds emotionally for most of the women there to be able to put on their title, say, oh, I don't know what I am or who mm-hmm. I am. And, but, it, but we have to give voice to these things to validate mm-hmm. it. And I think a lot, at least in my experience, it's I know who I want to be. Yeah. And you want me to write that down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you actually print it. On yeah, a card. print it on a card, make yeah. it as pretty as you want, <laughs> and stuff, and 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 take it there. And uh, but and they were integral parts of the journey, mm-hmm. and to stand up and articulate before every other woman there that the leader that you were, because I, I wish I'd had that. Mm. I wish I was in my twenties, in my thirties, in my early four. I mean, real talk. The first time I had it was when we did it. That's mm-hmm. the first time I've been able to be in a room and say this is to be surrounded by that many women leaders and say this is who I am and this is what I do and to hear lots of other voices. I've been able to say those things. There just haven't been many women there. Mm. So, what, and it's fun to hear how you experienced that first mm-hmm. gathering too. So then, how did that spur you on to do them. to go forward? Um, I think there is an element when you have an idea and when you test it. Um, that the rest is the point of no return really Mm. and when you see what this is like and you see people transformed and then it's what does it look like to walk in obedience and it was so fulfilling and I had friends of mine who weren't there who who were encouraging me and everything and they're like yeah you can't stop now you do realise that now (laughs) this is it Um, it may not be the only it of Mm -hmm. your life I'm not saying it's going to be the biggest shiniest thing ever it doesn't need to be that I just need to be faithful but um, it was yeah yeah mm mm-hmm there's enough fruit. You know, if you're testing something and then you get the results, then then what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I think that was the test. I could I didn't need to do any more tests. There were results. Was I did I see women encouraged? Yes. Did I see women get free? Yes. Did I see women connected and tangible things happen that change the shape of their careers? Yes. Well, what what else do I need? Mm-hmm. Um I would have said a million dollars and a nice vacation, but <laughs> The Lord said, <laughs> I, I had a few other things that, and he was like, well, just do it again. Cause it's always a risk every time. Right. And so the next time was to do it a couple more times and to kind of bring my head above the parapet a bit and not just do it on the download, but to tell people it was happening. Right. And so then in 2018, it was back to back weekends, back to back weekends. That was a week. 
Yeah. <laughs> Long week. <laughs> Hi, children. Bye, children. <laughs> Although they came to things mm-hmm. as well, which helped. It involved gathering some team a little bit and back-to-back weekends and opening it up, um, telling people on Instagram, mm-hmm. making a couple of videos about it and about 80 people coming each weekend. 80, 80 women leaders. And again, so, so, I mean, one coming all the way from Zimbabwe, which was phenomenal. Wow, I didn't and, uh, know that. Yeah, I think, was that week two? Can't remember now. And just, again, sh- again honing it, honing the material, honing the, the design of the time um, to have kind of coaching, facilitating groups in between, um, giving more space to women, being intentional of inviting people of different ethnicities and different backgrounds, different generations. Because, again, who's it? It's um, the, the author called Chimamanda Adichie, a Nigerian author, and she talks about stereotyping. And she said the problem with a single story is not that it's inaccurate, it's incomplete. Mm. And so what I don't want is to say, hey, everybody, leadership is yours. Lead like me. Mm. The point of Asa Collective is that you lead like you, and, but that you are encouraged and empowered and invested in by these myriad of voices and experiences and expressions of leadership, myriad of views even to some degree, because we sh- they sharpen you, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm kind of thing and um yeah and it was a real privilege to be able to do that and to see the impact and to see it was harder on one level because I wasn't as I didn't know as many people Mm -hmm. um and so there's a letting go that comes with something as it grows that you've got to you've got to make room if you're going to make room for it to grow you can't have your hands in every pie right and hands in pies is unhygienic let's Mm -hmm. be honest about that (laughs) let's just yeah take your fingers out (laughs) eat the pie and sit down well, and the that was one of my favorite things about the first one that I went to was the cultural age and spaces yeah. diversity. Yeah. Because especially being a white woman from a predominantly white suburb, mm-hmm. to get in a group of women that were different from me, but had but there were a lot of there were a lot of similarities. Yeah. But also to be able to listen and to hear to have it just opened my world and yeah. it opened, you know, when everybody is being doing them, mm. you feel like you can do you. Yes. Yeah. That's such a good way of putting it. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think there's something about the power of proximity when you're mm. in terms of understanding somebody else's story and somebody mm-hmm. else's journey. I remember on the first weekend, someone saying that it was the first time she had seen that many women of color who were leading as leaders that her exposure up until this point was always a fundraising thing or a sponsorship thing, which was valid in itself, but it was just a powerful reminder mm-hmm. for her of not living of a, not a single story in that case of, of about women of color mm-hmm. and the needs of the world around them, the potential of the, of the world around us as well. So yeah, it's, I think, it, I think there were so many things. I, I think that's what I was grateful for as, and we find this when we're in any initiative, there's what you, you hope to learn, what you actually learn. And then mm-hmm. the other things that are just thrown in for good fun. That right, you just right. didn't even know um, <clears throat> because that was somebody else's experience of it. So yeah, it was great. Yeah. And then also that you purposefully, correct me if I'm wrong, you purposefully keep it to a size that is manageable so that there's some form of, some, some kind of intimacy that can happen within yeah. the group. Yeah, yeah. in terms of how, one of the things that I've learned over the years, and I can't remember who I learned this from or who the sociologist was, but they talk about people organizing themselves in particular groups. Um, intimate space two to three people personal space small group size so 
I guess seven to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, social space, the kind of fifty-ish, fifty to seventy people. Public space, a hundred plus, that kind of thing. And I was struck by the way that there's only so much you can do in all of those spaces. So, it, and when you look at the sizes, how church expresses itself, you see mm-hmm. those kind of spaces. Well, you see Jesus and and the disciples. You know, there's the public space. There's the crowds. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there's massive teaching and miracles and those kind of things. But they're not the same kind of conversations you see him having with Peter. Right. You know, with with the one on one conversations, Zacchaeus, I'm going to sit in your house today, and all this kind of stuff. It's not the same sort of things you'd see with the crowd, and they're things that only happen amongst the twelve. Mm-hmm. And then there are things that happen amongst the seventy two, and they're out there doing stuff. So there are they're just different sizes, um, different ways we socialize, different ways we gather, and it feels like in the in the world in which we're in, there are lots of big events, mm-hmm. and they are great, and they are high quality events, and and. And you tend to expect that at a bigger event, a big worship event or whatever. You go for big trans- transcendent experiences in some ways mm-hmm. of God. and that. But you don't expect to know anybody really there. Mm-mm. Do you know what I mean? Or if you do, you're often disappointed because it's like, oh my gosh, I went to this event and there were 2,000 people. And I didn't even know anybody's name. There were 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. And you were probably all facing one direction. Right. And maybe someone at one point said, turn to the person next to you. And that, that was it. And you forgot the name by the time you sat down because... Mm-hmm. That's not, you know what I mean? That's just That's not how it works. That's what you're there for. Mm-hmm. And then equally, if you had your small group setting of seven to 12 people and you're talking about life and stuff and someone tried to make it a big event and brought in a lighting and a band, <laughs> it'd just awkward. be weird. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just be weird. And, and, you know, equally in those, when you have those intimate moments and someone overshares in a bigger space, it's like... Mm-hmm. I just wish I wasn't there. Right. Do you know what I mean? Or if there's a PDA situation and you're just like, mm-hmm. get a room. We say that for a reason. Mm-hmm. We're not saying you shouldn't have your intimate mind, time. We're saying we don't need to be the observers of that intimate right. time. Right. <laughs> we're saying we're not joining in. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Um, but when I was thinking of women in leadership, when if you're lonely, which is the experience of many women who lead, uh, many leaders men and women who lead but in, in the context of what i was doing for if you are if you're lonely a group of 2000 isn't going to make you feel any better no. necessarily Mm-mm. it will inspire certain things and it may give you the kind of yes there are other women doing it but will it give you contacts connections relational no Mm-mm. um the intimate space will be really valuable for the deep conversations but again supposing you're both having a hard time right well then where do you go <laughs> and so we want i wanted to make it um have room enough for you to know a few people and get to know a few people intimately but also be able to connect and stuff and so it seemed that that size of social space where it's kind of 50 to 80 ish 70 i mean different people have different numbers but Mm -hmm. that size um seemed like a good fit a good fit for training again when jesus sent out the um, 72 he kind of gives some instructions go and do it come back kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know the group people in the upper room uh, that kind of vibe there's enough there's there's some traction there was mm-hmm. enough to get traction, but not so much that you couldn't even see what had happened with traction. Well, and it's big enough to, it's big enough to be well done. Yeah. And it's small enough to be seen yeah. and to be heard. And it was important then in the design of the thing to have the, some of those other spaces there as well, to have mm-hmm. the kind of group setting where you could go a little deeper, to have time where you could one-on-one connect. And you can, intru- I mean, these are leaders. I'm not going to socially engineer everything mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're leaders. <laughs> they are, these are women who who are managing budgets raising families and getting stuff done so i figure you know you have a networking time you get to do your one-on-one and build from there mm-hmm. so yeah it was it, it was good i mean it's hard on one level because there's part of me it was like 
10,000 people feel free to come along because I want as many leaders as possible to encounter things that will be transformative for their leadership. But to make sure it's transformative for their leadership, we did have to do a first come first serve basis. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So what is your hope? What's your hope thinking for? So 2019, you have two different locations? Um, Two different locations. We initially had another location, but with but we, ha- we realized we weren't ready. You know? and, and that's part of the journey as well, to mm-hmm. think, can we really pull this off well? And, and we thought we could, and then we're like, nah, you can't, you can't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is, it's a newborn. You know, mm-hmm. you take two steps and then you fall on your butt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not even a newborn, that's a toddler. But but you see what I'm saying? Well, I was thinking you were carrying the newborn and you take a couple of steps yeah, and that you would have to change awkward. a diaper and then they sit yeah. up and you have to change their clothes. But that's actually <laughs> yeah. a very good one as well, yeah. But it's it's that new. It's new. Mm-hmm. And so they're still discovering. Um, but we have two locations, one in Alaska and then Minneapolis. And I, I think my goal, in some ways I'm, I'm, I'm learning as I go because... Mm-hmm. Part of this, there are a number of questions I still have about it, which are, if my goal is to make leadership development accessible for as many women as possible, how are you going to do that when you can only get 80 women in a room? Mm. And so 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 there's an element to which I'm asking about digital things, but then there's another thing of, but at the same time, movements tend to start with a small group of people. It's another piece. And so I, I think the overarching piece for me in terms of where it could go, I often, I, I was talking to a friend about it and I said, I'd rather it be a virus than an empire. Mm. And with an empire, you have to go and posi- you know, put your way of doing things right. in different places. I mean, you know. Take over. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why, you know, Commonwealth mm-hmm. and all. Mm-hmm. You, know, you impose your way, your design, your desires, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's a better word than virus right now, but I, I'm, not, I'm just not scientific enough. <laughs> But I, I don't feel like that's the goal. I, and and there, it's not that I wouldn't like to do AZA co- Collective in lots of different places. I would. But, not, but, but I've seen women who do similar things to, to this. They don't need an AZA Collective there. Mm. Why, why am I... Pre- that's why not the repeating? point. Right. Do you mm. know what I mean? That's, that would be ridiculous. But if there is content and if there are things which can be invested into someone so that they can do what they do, game on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I like the idea of a virus. I, I was thinking of one time when my kids were sick. And um, they had the same virus, but it manifested itself in very different ways. One of them I was up with all night because she thought she was going to be sick. And she just like, oh, I feel awful. I just feel terrible. And do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then we were up all night and then she slept. And obviously I didn't because she was like splayed all over me or whatever. <laughs> and then the next one, um, the next morning, my youngest gets up and I said, how are you? And she said, fine. And then she picks up the bucket and suddenly throws up in it. And I'm like, guess the virus hit you too. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a really, really gross illustration for what I'm trying to say. But it's the only <laughs> one I've got. And it's the one that worked for me and brought me deep revelations. So... I'm going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the sense of, I want, I want, what would it look like for women to catch that they are Azers? Mm. To catch the idea of, to catch the values which your power strengthens others, to catch the values that you, um, that you don't need to apologize for how the, the way the Lord has wired you, but you do, need, you do need other people, to catch the way where you can celebrate what another woman is doing rather than be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And I say that with a proviso because I think on one level people say, you know, there's no scarcity. There kind of is. There kind of is. You wouldn't have an equal payday if there wasn't some level of scarcity. Mm. You wouldn't have to have an International Women's Day unless there was some level of scarcity. Mm -hmm. I mean, just calling Mm -hmm. it what it is. Mm -hmm. However, and maybe it's that there are opportunities, some that are monetized and some that aren't, but 
if you if you need the money, then that feels scarce. Do you right, know what I mean? Right, <laughs> Do you know what right. I mean? If you don't, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you need the money, if, if that determines bills and opportunities and stuff, then that feels scarce. But what does it look like to deal with the realities of the world in which we're actually in, rather than the one that we aspire and hope it would be, or is, is for a few, and develop women in such a way that they can make their contribution in a way which is healthier for their lives. And so definitely doing more intensives but i'm looking at other things as well other kind of resources other kinds of products other kinds of processes which which may because obviously because this is an intensive it also costs money and not everybody's got that money at that stage of their life and it's not the wisest use of their money at the time you know it's Mm -hmm. not cheap so if i don't want someone to make a decision for something which isn't the wisest use of the money for their family life for their single woman life for their getting out of debt life so i'm thinking of other things now which are different price points which may not do everything of the that the intensive does but does other things which are still valuable Mm -hmm. all that to say who knows what the future holds right um but but continuing to process that um it's not going anywhere in terms of i'm not tired of it or anything like that but Mm -hmm. i do want to make sure we i'm making the most of the digital world of the written word are of creative spaces of what if we can't do a if you can't do two days because women are busy mm-hmm. what can you what could we do in an evening is there is there value to doing an even a one evening version of it is there value to doing a leadership lunch how and how do you do those sorts of things that's the thing i'm currently thinking of now um and and partly because it's because it's got to serve the women who are actually doing this stuff a lot of it comes in interactions with conversations and feedback from people as it goes along so, mm-hmm. so yeah so if someone wanted to find out more about Azer Collective, yes. where would they go? They would do two things. They would look at my website, but they would sign up to my mailing list. Okay. My website, josexton.com, and there are a number of spaces on there which says sign up to the mailing list. And the reason why they go to the website is because you could see a video there telling the stories of the women who'd been there before um, and what the encounter was and just some descriptions. There's a page dedicated to Azer Collective. The reason why they go to the mailing list, though, is because when the registration opens, they, it always opens for them first. And any discounts and all those things mm-hmm. happen to them first. And, the, and so the, one of the locations will probably have already happened by the time this comes out. I'm sorry. Sorry, Alaska. Sorry. Alaska's full, so. Okay. Oh, I'm well, sorry. so it's full so anyway. So the dates for Minneapolis, what are the dates for Minneapolis? You know what? I'm going to hopefully not get these wrong. The, I think it's the first and the last weekend in October. That seems that right, right to me. Yeah, the first I'll put month. it in the show notes. Yay! I'll check it Praise out. I'll put it all in the, the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah. First and last weekend in October um, 2019. And is there anything about Azer Collective that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we mention? I want, I just want them to mention that your leadership is worth investing in, you know, uh, and I think if we've, if we've defaulted to the feeling like all the skills and the abilities are meant to be within us and a sign that you're a leader is that you know it all and are able to do it all now, then you're going to burn out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to put this any other way. Um, you're going to burn out. But, um, but your leadership matters and, you're, and we know that on a level. You know, if you're preparing for something, you get the ingredients you need. It's also worth investing in your own personal growth and development for the contribution you want to make. Mm-hmm. And how do you define leadership? Being intentional with your influence. Yeah. And so, um, and, I, and it was wonderful to see that expressed when we were there. So you had women who were managing budgets of good do you mm-hmm. know what i mean they're just like wow that's a lot mm-hmm. and others who were strategic planners and others in marketing and others who were writing and dancing and all these other things others who were overseeing homeschooling cooperatives and and all of that kind of stuff 
but each of them, what they had in common is that they recognized they had influence or were wrestling with the fact that they had to recognize they had influence and they were being intentional about doing something about it. So good. I highly, listeners, I highly recommend you checking out Azer Collective and looking into it and considering and praying about being a part of it and go to Joe's website and sign up and I'll put that all in the show notes. Um, before we go, Yay. Uh, there are two questions I ask Ooh, all my guests. That I didn't I know this. You. Yeah, I didn't tell you okay. this. I'm sorry. Um, the first is because it's called Retreat House. How do you yeah. retreat? What does that look like for you? Um, retreating for me um, often means a retreat at a friend's house. And I pull away for a day. Mm-hmm. And I take snacks and books and Bibles and stuff. And I talk to the Lord and walk around the room. and But I pull away. I have to be outside of my house. Otherwise, there's something to clean. Mm-hmm. And there's a dog who doesn't know how to be silent <laughs> in the times I need him to be. So, yeah. Um, sometimes it could be an art gallery as well. Mm-hmm. And the other question is, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird mm-hmm. to describe something about yourself, what would that be? <sighs> That's hard because I think probably everything, okay. um, or at least my children would say that. I don't know. I don't believe it is weird to not like chocolate. I think oh. it's sensible. I just, you know, I don't think it is weird to go to Target on a regular basis, even if that's more than twice in a day. I think that's fine. So, you know, make of it what you will. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I personally, it doesn't feel, is weird bad? No, that's why I asked the question. Because I think we all have freak flags and we all need yeah. to fly them. I feel I have a few. Mm-hmm. I'm saddened, like I'm United, saddened by your like quick the un- agreement there. The United Nations of... I, it may be it may flags. be a a flag ministry. <laughs> I should never be entrusted with a flag. I'd hurt people, but um, yeah, I yeah I I have quite a few myself. I think it's I think people need to embrace the weird. Yeah, and they need to embrace the freak in all of us because we all have it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like is it weird though? Is it? Well, the chocolate thing to most people, probably. Most people are, some are even mm-hmm. borderline offended until I make them realize that I still get given chocolate just because I don't like it. Doesn't mean right. I don't receive it, which means I share it. And they're like, oh, best friend. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I thought, because you're British, which people probably know by now by mm-hmm. listening to you. Not Australian, not from New Zealand, no. not from Ireland and not French. That was weird. That is weird. Mm-hmm. You don't sound French at all. No. Well, because French isn't an accent. It's the language. So, you know. Oh, but you could have a French. No, they thought I was French just because I sounded different. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They're weird. They said I spoke French. I thought, mm. I, well, I mean, not to them, no, but it was very odd. That is odd. I do occasionally get asked what language they speak in England. <laughs> I want to tell you that's not true, but the most recent time was about three months ago. Can I confess something? Please don't tell me you've asked that question. You can't have asked that question. You are into downtown Abbey and all of that crazy. Downtown Abbey. Oh, um, so No, when I was in college, there was a guy from Scotland. No, you didn't. You didn't. I did. You didn't ask him. I did. I was like, was it hard to learn the language? And I think he thought, he think, I think, I think he thought I was trying to make fun of him. He didn't realize that I was just that stupid. Because there's Welsh. Welsh is another language, right? And Gaelic is another language. I thought that there was... I, yeah. I might, I might edit this part out. <clears throat> that was Angela. a long time ago. Angela. Well, I'm glad your deep <laughs> love of the British Isles is taking you in a new direction. 
Oh, there was another thing I was going to say. Was it hard to learn the language? Was it hard to learn the language? Yeah, I think he thought I was making fun of him. I was just stupid. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining all this Azer Collective that I keep talking about so people can understand what it is. Thank you for Loki advertising it with every podcast episode. That's (laughs) great. (laughs) Thank you for joining me at the table. Any links or anything that we talked about during the show can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please go leave a review so others can find us too. If you want to keep up with what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Again, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. Mm-hmm.